49ers cornerback Diamador Lenore recently made some comments about his mindset and, and how he's looking at his job. And is it his starting job now at cornerback for the San Francisco 49ers? Undrafted corner that could make some noise in camp, Deshaun Jameson. What's the scouting report for him? And does he have a chance to battle for a spot at cornerback on that 49ers depth chart? Coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers. Your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks to all the everydayers out there. If you're not one, you can be very easily. Just make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. And we love hearing from you. Let us know in the comments on YouTube and at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. And Croc, you brought this first topic up to me uh, as it pertains to Diamador Lenore, 49ers cornerback, who really kind of came out of nowhere last year to hold down that starting cornerback spot opposite of Charvarius Ward and into the playoffs and uh, seemed to get better and better as the season went on. It was like, oh, no, do we have a problem at corner? And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, they're picking on Diamo, uh, on Demo. And then all of a sudden, Demo said, okay, keep him coming. And he started making teams pay for picking on him. And and uh, in the end, maybe it was playing uh, even better brand of football than the guy on the other side once it got to the playoffs, which is pretty a pretty awesome turn of events for the 49ers at cornerback. So I want to talk about Diamador Lenore and um, his conversation with Matt Mayoko. You can hear that on 49ers Talk. Uh, Matt Mayoko, longtime 49ers beat writer, always does great work there and had a little conversation with Diamador Lenore. And I know you're big on mindset and you're a former corner yourself. And I know you loved hearing what Diamador Lenore had to say about his own ability and how he looks at uh, life in the NFL. Oh, man, it was it was awesome just hearing kind of his perspective on himself and how he kind of handles the ups and downs of playing the cornerback position. It's extremely difficult. And anybody that's on social media when the cornerback gives up a touchdown, I mean, or just a play. Oh, man, you know, you're, you're the worst defensive back in the NFL in that moment. And he's very aware of the perception of cornerbacks and how, hey, man, you can go out there and have 99 good plays in a row in the game. And then that 100th play, if you give up a touchdown, you are not good. But he's learned to have that next play mentality and understand that can't worry about something that just happened. Keep having that mindset of come at me again and I'm going to make you pay. And I was really excited to hear just his mindset of the playoffs and how he thought, hey, Philadelphia Eagles, they're going to come out there and they're going to challenge me and I'm ready for it and I will make them pay just like I made Dallas pay, just like I made Seattle pay early in those games as well. Obviously, Eagles, uh, they stayed away from them for that game and then the game kind of got out of hand, you know, in favor of Philly, of course. I want to open up a, you know, a wound for a lot of fans out there. But ultimately, just hearing his mindset and how he goes about handling his business, what his mindset was heading into the year, which it wasn't even to be this amazing cornerback. It was to be an all-pro gunner. It's like, hey, if I'm not going to be a starter, then I'm going to be the best possible whatever, wherever they put me at. And I was like, I love this kid. I'm always rooting for underdogs. And right now, he's a guy I think a lot of fans probably are looking to see if they can replace him after hearing that. Hey man, I'm 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 behind him 100. percent I'm I'm Team Lenore or Team uh what was he called Hyena? I'm Team Hyena. That's right, Hyena. Team Team Hyena. Team Demo. Team Diamador Lenore. Whatever you want to call him. Uh, I, I love the mentality as well, and I think it's his job. I mean, I think he locked it up. Like he's the guy right now. He's the starter now. 
we've seen how quickly that can change in the NFL, and it can always change quickly. But they didn't draft anybody high. They didn't take anybody until Darrell Luter in the fifth round in the draft. They didn't sign any high-priced free agents to come in and compete with him at starting outside cornerback. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Isaiah Oliver at nickel a little bit later in this podcast. But uh, And by the way, you mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles game. And and when, when it comes to everydayers here that listen to Locked On 49ers, there are some fans that couldn't listen to a podcast. They listen every day. That game happened. NFC Championship game, they it hurt too much. They couldn't listen until like after the draft or until the draft came around. It was like ripping the Band-Aid off finally for them. And some of them maybe just be coming back. So if you are just now coming back, welcome back. 2023 is here, and uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So um, appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. You got to have the you got to have the 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 short you got to have the short memory though. If you're a fan too, right? You got to be able to bounce back like a like cornerbacks like Diamador Lenore can. You do, and, and it's tough. One thing I do want to say about Lenore is, and you know, I'm the first person to say I don't like to put ceilings on players. I, I don't know how good they will be. Obviously, we have our projections on a lot of these guys, but you'll never hear me say what a guy will or won't be. I did feel like Lenore was better suited to playing a nickel because I thought just kind of the pure long speed. And again, I mean, you got guys, guys that run a 4-3, they can get burnt as well. But I just thought his pure long speed maybe was slightly questionable. There were some things early um, in his playing time with the 49ers. I remember right away, Kansas City Chiefs game as a rookie in the preseason where he didn't give up any catches, but I was looking at him like, man, he's not getting his head around. And a lot of times you don't get your head around when you're just not in position to look back. And I was like, you know, he might be more of a nickel-type guy. And I thought he played well in the nickel when he did play there. He got burnt um, early Philadelphia, week two, his rookie year. I think it was uh, Quez Watkins. Got him for like a 90-yard play or whatever it was. 49's defense was stout. Didn't give up uh, any points on that drive still. But I just saw some areas where I'm like, man, maybe he's better as a nickel. But right now he's saying, look, yes, I could play nickel. He showed that when he came in for Womack after week two. But – Hey, I can play outside as well. I'm a versatile cornerback. And again, love his mindset. So uh, that was one of the things where he kind of said, hey, Croc, you know, you think you know everything. Nah, man, I can play both. I can play outside as well, which he did well at Oregon. But it was just kind of that top in next man type speed, being faster than the next man or as fast as you need to be. Did he quite have that? And that was something I thought was just slightly questionable. And I think one thing he does really well is play in zone coverage and it kind of no it doesn't nullify it completely but it nullifies some of that you know like top end speed if you're manned up you're on an island with the guy on the outside could you get beat and he's really good with his eyes and playing through the player and going and making a play and that he talked about being aggressive he's like i'm just trying to get to the next play and play that play well and he's like now i'm trying to make a play i'm trying to go get six in the other direction for my team. And, and I love that mentality. And he started taking the ball away a lot last year. And I think that's something 49ers secondary now is set up to do a lot more of than they have been in the past is take the ball away. Now, definitely. And it, it's a, there's a great area with that because you don't want to try to make plays so much that you end up putting yourself out of position when it's like, Hey man, I just need you to do this. Like just do your job. Don't try to, like, you know, it's, hit the play. it's He's like someone that maybe wants to hit a home run, and and it's like, man, every time he gets up to bat, he wants to hit a home run. And what does he do more times than not? Strike out, right? Yeah. Like that. That's typically what happens. So that's a little dangerous kind of game to play. But in the sense of understanding your capabilities and your, in hey, I can make plays when I'm out there. Then I do like that. 
What about DJ Reed for a comp there? Because that was the same thing with DJ Reed coming in, scouting report. He played outside in college, but we think he'll be an inside guy. Kind of starts out inside, end up being a better outside corner. 49ers had him at inside. They had him at safety. And I, you know, I talked to him about that. And he's like, man, I mean, they were throwing a lot at me and there's stuff that he wasn't quite ready for. And that's why there was that transition. But you see him definitely excelling on the outside. You don't have to be a 6'2", 6'3", long arm cornerback to play on the outside. You just have to have long speed. And a lot of times those guys are more of a scheme versatile. And as you see it with DJ Reed, as you see it with even Diamond Lenore, you know, they have the feet. They can um, match and mirror guys vertically. Uh, you know, being able to transition in and out of their breaks typically isn't an issue for some of those guys that aren't those super tall, long guys that kind of struggle with that change of direction. So I think right now where the 49ers defense has been playing a lot of quarters, a lot of off coverage for some of those guys, he definitely fits that. And I think DJ Reed is a really good comp. And getting issued the number two jersey now for Diamador Lenore, another signal that uh, he's pretty well locked in starting camp as a starting cornerback for those San Francisco 49ers. Let's talk about the rest of the depth chart, Croc, and especially next scout report on a very interesting undrafted free agent cornerback out of Texas, Deshaun Jameson, next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers at FanDuel can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And there is so much to bet on with the NBA season wrapping up, NHL playoffs, uh, Major League Baseball. You can bet on baseball all season long. That's why I love it. It's like the soundtrack of summer with Major League Baseball. And when nothing else is happening, you can count on there being baseball. And you can count on FanDuel having those baseball bets ready for you every day. I love FanDuel's uh, promotions. They've got great promotions every single day. The app is and the website are super easy to use. It's safe, secure. I love being able to build my own parlays in the app. And you can get paid instantly. At FanDuel. And there's no better place for all the playoff action than America's number one sports book and a ton of NFL bets to be made, even though it is the office season for the 2023 NFL season at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NFL. So Diamador Lenore and Charverius Ward, those are the starting cornerbacks right now. And there is uh, some more, I think, some more interesting names on the depth chart. But I want to start here with Deshaun Jameson, the undrafted corner out of Texas. And uh, starting with a little bit of background on Deshaun Jameson, he's 5'9", 184 pounds, 5'9 and an eighth. Uh, or five nine and a quarter, excuse me. Don't want to do want to short him a quarter of an inch when you're five nine. It's important, especially in the NFL. 184 pounds at his pro day was not invited to the combine. Shorter armed guy, 30 and a half inch arm length. Uh, ran a four four nine 40 yard dash with a one five eight 10 yard split at his pro day. 33 inch vertical, 10 3 broad jump, four two eight short shuttle, uh, a blistering six point seven four three cone, and then threw up thirteen bench press reps at five nine, one hundred and eighty four pounds. Uh, had a long career at the University of Texas. Came in as a freshman and did get a start that year, but mostly has been a 
return specialist slash cornerback throughout his five-year college career, ending with uh, nine starts last year out of 12 games. He had 25 tackles on defense, a couple tackles for loss, one sack even, his only career sack in 2022 as a senior. Nine passes defensed, a couple of interceptions. But, Croc, the first thing I want to talk about here is his special team's ability and his home run ability as a return man. He had a punt return touchdown, 90-yarder, as a freshman and, and played on the offensive side of the ball, wide receiver at first um, uh, or played some wide receiver at least. Cause he was a, a cornerback recruit, but did play a little bit at wide receiver, but it was a 90 yard punt return touchdown as a freshman, uh, as a true freshman, then a 98 yard kick return touchdown in his sophomore year. He was honorable mention all big 12 as a junior had a hundred yard kickoff return for a touchdown that year. Uh, that was also the COVID year. So we got the extra year. So we got that extra junior year again in 2021, then had a 69 yard interception return for a touchdown as a senior, a blocked punt. And he returned a, a punt return for a touchdown. And, and I think he had, was there one more? I don't know, but man, uh, this dude as a return, man, it just looks like he shot out of a cannon. He's compact, almost has a running back looking build at times. And uh, if he doesn't make it as a corner, I think he's got a, an NFL future as a return guy. Well, I think that's where it starts, right? For these guys that are undrafted or late-round picks, you have to have some value on special teams. I think for him, being a return guy, that's kind of his way of making it. I mean, think of some of the guys that we mentioned already. DJ Reed, you know, he was a primary return guy for the 49ers. Richie James, another guy. He didn't have a whole lot of offensive success, even though I think there was a little bit more meat on those bones and the 49ers were able to get off of. But, you know, Special teams as a punt returner, you know, he's doing punts, doing kickoff returns. So some of these guys that are late round or undrafted guys, like their path to the team will be special teams and being able to be a return guy who, hey, look, man, look, look what I've done and have that type of ability. And they'll probably first and foremost, just be reliable catching the ball out there and then be able to show some of your athletic ability off. You, you talked about the three cone, which was blistering, what, 6.7, something like that. I mean, like that, that's crazy. Right. Uh, to match, you know, that with the four, four, nine speed, which isn't blazing, but still having that twitch, that suddenness and the ability to find creases. If he can do that for the 49ers in the preseason and show value, that that will really help him over someone else who a lot of people think might make the team, but maybe doesn't have as quite a special team's impact uh, to be an active guy on game day. He, um, it, you can see the short area quickness, and I think that's one of the things the confidence as a return man is he is at top speed instantly. He sees a crease and he hits it hard. And I think that's really important, important for especially a kick return guy. And we'll see if, you know, kick returns are less valuable than they used to be in the NFL with the new kickoff return rules. Do you remember uh, a New York jet cornerback, a big time speed athlete return man that was a corner by the name of Justin Miller? Because no. that's who I instantly thought of when I saw Deshaun Jameson. Look up Justin Miller. He was a former, I believe, Clemson uh, corner, and he was mostly basically a return specialist in the NFL and didn't play a lot of corner. He was drafted pretty high. Uh, he had he was faster, though. He had like 4-3 speed. He was so fast. But it reminded me of him, just that compact build and just boom, hits it and is just up to top speed instantly on, on those kickoff returns. So go look up some Justin Miller. That's what it reminded me of when I started watching Deshaun Jameson on, on kickoff returns. But, Croc, I trust your evaluations as a corner. What did you see from him as a pure cornerback? Okay, so as a pure corner, and again, we have to take into account that this guy is undrafted, and he was undrafted 
probably for some of the reasons that I saw on film, right? And now, small sample size because I was only able to find three games. I had two in my uh, queue on uh, uh, my drive that I have. So I was able to watch the all 22. Then I found another one that was on uh, YouTube and try to kind of piece things together a little bit. Uh, the Alabama game that I did watch the all 22, he got hurt kind of early, actually making a play on the ball. So let's get into kind of some of the things that I saw from his film uh, right away. Uh, some teams go to field slash boundary corners. And and I think at times you'll hear uh, an evaluator, or maybe if you're looking at NFL.com, you'll see boundary corner or field corner. I think most of the time they say boundary corner. I'll never hear somebody say he is a field corner. Nobody ever talks about field corners, man. It's all about the boundary corner. <laughs> right. So the difference, and I saw the 49ers do some of this with, they did it with Richard Sherman a little bit. They did it a little bit, even going back a little bit further. Robert Sala did it with Dante Johnson and Mantis uh, uh, Robinson. Uh, oh, uh, Richard Robinson. Richard Robinson. All right. And I feel like there was one other time. Oh, Jason Verrett and whoever was on the other side of him when Verrett had that really good year. So you will see it from time to time, but a lot of times it's like, hey, I'm either going to put my best guy on this guy or, um, you know, you just stay on left side, you stay on right side, which Sherman did that in Seattle. All right. But typically the boundary corner is the one that's a little bit more physical. Uh, you want him more lined up at the line of scrimmage and he has more press man uh, responsibilities. The field guy typically um, sees the field very well. Um, but plays off coverage more, uh, can read co concepts, and maybe is a little bit more twitched up to be able to break off of things from off coverage. So typically the boundary, bigger, more physical corner, uh, field, maybe a little bit smaller, good feet, playing off. And that was what he did. I mean, I, I don't think I found a rep where he was in press coverage. Everything was off. So he's very comfortable playing off. I thought he did a really good job of being comfortable, being able to read down receivers' routes from off, I talked about uh, one of the plays where I'm assuming he got hurt on it because I didn't see him after this play. But the Alabama receiver ran like a deep dig. And the way he anticipated it, and guys can kind of feel body language a little bit. He anticipated that. He was ready to trigger right now. Broke on the ball. Should have picked it off. He dropped it. But it just showed a lot of confidence from his ability to play off coverage. Now, some of the reasons why I think that he maybe was undrafted. I didn't see him play fast or twitchy. I know he was a 4-4-9 guy, essentially kind of a 4-5 guy. But on film, he kind of just was off in space a little. You didn't see a whole lot of twitchiness in the sense of suddenness, uh, even sometimes when guys change directions. I think he was able to match guys, change the direction vertically downfield, but it didn't look like a boom, boom, like foot in the ground, boom, I'm going the other way. Can I – so – and I know there's a trail technique and that's not necessarily what I mean, but he, it felt like he was always trailing his man where he had to play catch up at the very end and make a play on the ball. Maybe, maybe it was more of a size thing that he, that get the guys had on him since he's only five, nine, but it felt like he was always just kind of right. He was like there, but a little behind like trailing well, play a little, and maybe he, that's the technique and that's the way he was coached up to do it. But I, I felt like it was, he was playing from behind a little bit too often. I don't think that's how he's been coached. Up right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, especially because if you put on the Oklahoma State game, he gets beat on like a post and he was kind of in that trail position and never got back on that upfield shoulder and gave mm -hmm. up a deep ball, right? So again, I, I think that there is an area where I feel like he can maybe play with a little bit more sense of urgency, but maybe he's just so calm, cool, and collected that it just looks like that. It comes off like that to me. 
But I, I've watched a lot of guys, and typically, especially somebody with the three cone that he has, you usually see a little bit more twitch suddenness, just like boom, boom right now. Like, oh, okay, oh, I like how he got out of that break. Again, when he's able to anticipate it, I thought it looked really good. But relying on just his natural ability, it looked a little bit more like a 6'1", 205-pound corner as opposed to a 5'9", 185-pound corner. So when oh, it comes, yeah, one ahead. other thing too, real quick before we go, but um, his run fits and the physicality versus block shedding, I thought left a little to be desired. So I thought if if I were coaching him, I would tell him, man, be more physical and aggressive at the point of contact. Make these receivers not want to block you at all. And I think sometimes with that, there was a, a long touchdown run. I want to say against Alabama where he kind of just came up and then boop, dude was gone. Hit the sideline out of there and you have to try to be a little bit more physical squeeze that guy down that's trying to block you and kind of shrink that hole but keep your outside shoulder free he didn't do that he kind of just played it soft there were other times it looked like he tried to defeat blocks more with just going around the guy as opposed to being the aggressor in the situation when i always tell guys receivers they really don't want to block so man run through those guys set the tone early and let them know that you're going to be physical all game Next, I want to look into the 49ers depth chart at cornerback. Where Deshaun Jameson could fit in? Where's the path to him to maybe make the roster? And then uh, talk about some of the other corners we haven't mentioned a lot on the show in uh, this offseason with Samuel Womack, Isaiah Oliver, new free agent addition, Ambry Thomas. How does everyone fit in at corner next? Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We appreciate all of the everydayers out there if you want to become an everydayer just make sure you're with us the pods are up every morning uh you can find us in the evenings usually first on youtube so subscribe up on youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts do you see a path for deshaun jameson i'm looking at the cornerback roster and it's you know there's not that many slam dunks on the roster but there's a lot of good players and a lot of competition diamador lenore and Charverius Ward, clearly the starters on the outside. You got fifth rounder Darrell Luter, who's in front of um, someone like Deshaun Jameson, an undrafted free agent trying to scrap together a career and make a roster. You got Ambry Thomas, who's I have no idea what to think about Ambry, Tom, Ambry Thomas at this point. Uh, you've got Samuel Womack. You got Quantrez Knight, who was an undrafted free agent last year. And then uh, a guy like Miles Hartsfield, who we haven't mentioned, I think, since the day he signed as a free agent, one of Steve Wilkes' guys that is brought in, more of a, a nickel corner, and Isaiah Oliver, who's a free agent addition for the 49ers at nickel. So uh, I think it's a pretty crowded group, and basically if Deshaun Jameson's going to make the roster, he would probably have to make it as a return man and prove special teams value there, and he would have to – make his value more than someone like Quantrez Knight, who's in year two as an undrafted guy, and maybe even Ambry Thomas, who it seems like at this point is certainly not a lock to make the roster. No, obviously you have to be able to cover, but being able to cover won't be his path to cracking this, you know, and being like the sixth defensive back or the sixth cornerback. It will be special teams. So you guys like, how can he do it? It's going to be, hey, man, you got to make some splash plays in the preseason and show, like, hey, man, I should be the return guy. Who, off the top of my head, oh, Ray Ray McLeod. Oh, yeah. You got to take it from McLeod, who and, did both kickoff and punt return. 
Right. And so it's going to be hard to take that job from McLeod, but I would not be shocked at all. Just watching Deshaun Jameson as a return man in college and knowing what the 49ers have there, they don't have any dynamic return guys. And Ray Ray McLeod's not, you know, an amazing returner either. So I think, I think Deshaun Jameson at the end of camp could put a stamp on the roster by at least the 49ers believing, man, this is our second best return man. So if something happens to McLeod, we got to bring up Deshaun Jameson from the practice squad, at least. So uh, that's where I think he could stick, at least on the practice squad. I think the 49ers' biggest issue as it pertains to their return spot, then we'll get back to the cornerbacks, but I feel like they never go after a guy for, like, we're going to go specifically because he's a returner. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we like Dante Pettis as a receiver, but, hey, man, he's one of the best return guys in College football history, or DJ Reed, we like him. Uh, I mean, they had him playing safety, nickel, all type of wild stuff. But yeah. we like him as a DB, but oh, he's also the second best return guy in college football. But I feel like they never go after that guy where it's like all you're going to do is return. And I want to say the New Orleans Saints, they had like this little guy. I mean, he pumped fear in my heart every time the 49ers kicked the ball or punted. He was like number eleven, and he was just a free agent too. Another one, Jakeem Grant. He was yeah. out there, and it's like, why aren't you trying to go get that guy who, you know, he got some offensive, uh, you know, you could use use him in and do some things. But, man, when they, they are dangerous. They are electric, and they haven't got those guys. So, yeah, uh, if he can go out there and be one of those guys, like, definitely. But outside of that, you look at this 49ers cornerback group, and you know who the locks are. Traverius Ward, uh, D'Amador Lenore, Isaiah Oliver, and probably Samuel Womack as well. They're not going to cut the fifth round unless he's just awful. And I don't think he's going to be awful. So that's too deep, or that's at least that's too deep at both at at both outside corner spots. And uh Darrell Luter. Right. But Darrell Luter's playing uh he was playing on he was playing the second corner behind Lenore, and Samuel Womack was playing behind Charvarius Ward. Just uh, just a note from from uh, from OTAs, and, and we'll see if it changes during training okay. camp. But it wasn't like Luter was playing behind Ward and Womack, which makes me think Womack's not competing at all for a starting spot with Lenore. I think it's clear that they've got a one and two on both of those spots, which is Lenore and Ward clearly the ones with Womack and Luter clearly the twos behind those guys coming into the to camp. So Ambry Thomas is behind them. Behind, He's behind them. the rookie. Yep. Yep. Not, <laughs> and, and I, there was there. no good reports from anybody that was in we didn't get our eyes on them croc we'll have a, an opportunity to see these guys in training camp but we weren't there at the spring practices but i haven't heard any good reports at all about ambry thomas i've heard good stuff about womack i've heard good stuff about lenore fed good stuff about heard good stuff about looter Charverius ward was banged up so he wasn't playing so it was womack actually starting in his place um i haven't heard anything good i've even heard good things about deshaun jameson and not heard good things about ambry thomas listen and I, I want to know where is he at when they do the special team drills? Where do they have him at during that? If he's not on there, bye bye, bye bye, yep. Thomas. I I know firsthand how that works. Look, oh, Croc, where, where am I? At? You're out of here. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying they will send you home. Like that, that is danger for Amory Thomas and a guy who, when you talk about prototype, right? Not the biggest of guy, but man, six foot, six one. Uh, you know, in, in that range, 190 pounds, ran in the four threes, but ah, just can't. It's like he, he had, he finished strong to his rookie year, but then yeah, last had, year was a disaster because it was it out. Rough, he had a rough start to his rookie year, just like Womack did. But 
the way it ended was so promising. And then, um, I mean, sorry, just like uh, Lenore did. And then the way last year unfolded, it was so great for Lenore and a disaster for Ambry Thomas to the point where, yeah, I, don't, I, I think he's hanging on to that last roster spot by yeah. a three. That, that, that's tough. So, yeah, there's definitely going to be a, a competition. And if, I, if I'm uh, Jameson, I'm gunning for like that spot. How do I make myself more valuable? I'm playing every special team unit, trying to be as good as I can, not just yeah. as a return guy, but on the coverage units as well. Now, there's some other guy on here, A.J. Parker. I don't quite know who he is. I, I don't know A.J. Parker. Uh, he's an undrafted free agent, as is um, Trey Swilling, who I believe was an undrafted free agent from another team and then ended up with the 49ers at some point. So I, I can't tell you anything about Trey Swilling or A.J. Parker. Parker has played some games. That's what it looks like because he, he got some tackles here. So I don't know if there's a special team. Uh, and he only played in three games last year uh, out of Kansas, Kansas State, and this is his second year coming up. But it looks like there might be some special teams value there. So, again, when you are some of these guys, and, again, we don't know who A.J. Parker is, but they are fighting for that last spot. They're, they're looking like, how do I make it? It's going to be special team. So Jameson has to figure out how to make himself more valuable than AJ Parker. He has to figure out how to make himself more valuable than Ambry Thomas. And it definitely will be more as in a return role. Even if, like you said, it kind of goes to the practice squad first, then you're able to bring him up. And it likely won't be for his coverage skills. It's like, no, we, we have Traverius Ward. We have Diamond Lenore. We have Samuel Womack. You know, we, we have the Darrell Luter who we drafted. So you got to be able to, have value somewhere else his coverage ability will not be the reason he makes it and i wonder if they'll keep two nickel two pure nickel guys like will they keep miles hartfield hartsfield along with isaiah oliver because that's one of the developments this spring was that isaiah oliver's the number one nickel guy period that's it like he that's why they brought him in he's that guy uh and what's weird is he's shaped like an outside guy and then womack and lenore are shaped like court nickel guys and they're playing outside now so sort of strange uh, how the, the body types are going to be there for the 49ers defense. And they haven't had a big nickel like Isaiah Oliver really ever on this. Probably since Carlo, Carlos Rogers or something. Yeah. Carlos Rogers and uh, Isaiah Oliver's way bigger than Carlos Rogers even. It, yeah. And, and even then that's tough too with the nickel spot, because like you said, you, you know, you talked about Miles Hartsford who kind of is going to split time probably between nickel and safety, but they don't need another pure Nickel, because Diamondo Lenore and Samuel Womack have both played games at nickel. So, and I'm actually shocked that Samuel Womack didn't get the nickel job this year. That they went out and got a free agent over the top of him. Nickel typically takes a little bit longer to to like be very comfortable with, you know, the the run fits, the coverage, the playing in space, especially for these guys that come out. I mean, these are outside cornerback guys. And listening to Lenore kind of tell his story, he was an offensive weapon and one of the, and the best athlete in the nation. Like literally at his high school ranking, he was number one in the nation as an athlete. So this is a guy that was more of an offensive player. He ain't there playing the nickel. Like that takes time to kind of truly understand what goes into playing that. Same for Womack. Like these guys are outside guys. So if you're a coach and you're like, you know what, eventually they'll get it. And, you know, I'll continue to kind of throw them in that spot so they can kind of feel that and understand that. But right now I don't have time for that. Oliver, let's go. <laughs> Come on. Yep. And so five or six deep, the 49ers have a lot of depth right now. I think if you looked at 
sort of cornerback rankings around the league. The 49ers don't have a lot of name power. And even Charverius Ward for what he's getting paid isn't thought of as, you know, one of the top cover guys in the NFL. They probably won't rank very high, but I actually feel pretty good about this group. I like the depth. I think the second unit could come in and ball out too if there's injuries with the first unit. And I don't know if there's been times recently where I, I have felt that way necessarily about the secondary. Will be fun. Uh, we're going to keep track in camp, see where guys are moving around, watch special teams to get a really good idea of who has a better shot to make the 49ers 2023 roster. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen. Croc and I back tomorrow right here, Locked On 49ers. Subscribe to this video.